What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the 4040 Vision Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hey, guys, welcome to another edition of 4040 Shorts from the 4040 Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah. And on today's episode, I wanted to talk about one of the greatest performances we have seen in the history of the NBA playoffs. And that is Steph Curry's 50-point performance against the Kings in Game 7 of the Western Conference first round. Going into this game as a Warriors fan, I will admit I was terrified of the Sacramento Kings. What I saw in Game 6 of this series was a team that looked younger, faster, hungrier, stronger, whatever other adjective you can think of, that Kings looked like the better team, which is hard to say, of course, as a fan of the defending champions with one of the all-time great players on the team. But obviously basketball is a team game, and I really was scared of what the Sacramento Kings were going to do. What I didn't know or what I didn't anticipate, at least not to this degree, was that Steph Curry would put on his cape and put up one of the best performances once again in the history of the NBA playoffs. I know that the stakes, obviously, were not that high given that this is the first round uh, and his legacy is just about secure considering everything that he's done in the past. But I think it would have been fair to say that losing, again, in seven games, not like they got swept or anything like that, but losing a first-round series as a defending champion, especially after the season that you had with a lot of ups and downs and barely making it into the playoffs, I think that puts a little bit of extra spice on it. But the fact that he came in and put up one of these all-time performances just speaks to the level of player that he is. So one thing I wanted to do today was talk about some of the other all-time great performances we've seen in Game 7s, and a lot of them have come in the NBA Finals, but I wanted to touch on them a little bit. So I went and I did a little bit of research. I asked uh, some of the uh, AI services. I asked ChatGPT and Google, of course, to list out the best Game 7 performances that um, you know people have seen. And you know, not coincidentally, most of these took place in the NBA Finals, which of course is where the stakes are the highest, the pressure is the highest, a lot of guys collapse under that that level of stress and pressure. And when you look at the names that are on this list, it's really no surprise that it coincides with the best players in the history of the NBA. So the the number one they listed was Bill Russell in the 1962 NBA Finals. He put up 30 rebounds and 22 points in a win against the Lakers. Jerry West in 1969, 42 points, 13 boards, 12 assists, and a loss against the Boston Celtics. I want to say this is the series where he won uh, Finals MVP despite losing, but I could be wrong. The next was Tim Duncan in the 2005 NBA Finals. This was against the Detroit Pistons. He put up 25 points, 11 rebounds, and two blocks. LeBron James in the 2013 NBA Finals, 37 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and a win against the Spurs. 
The next three names, we won't get into all the numbers, but it's Kobe Bryant, Hakeem Olajuwon, Larry Bird. So I think the the reason that you don't have Michael Jordan on this list is because he never let a finals go to Game 7, as far as I know. And in fact, he only played in three Game 7s in his entire career, and he ended up with a 2-1 and record where he scored 31 points, 42 points, and 28 points. So obviously, when the chips were down, Michael Jordan was going to show up, but he never had a chance or an opportunity to do that in a Game 7 in the NBA Finals, which is a testament to his greatness, uh, of course, in another way. But obviously with the, the finals, the, like I said, there's a ton of pressure. There, the pressure and the stakes are higher than ever before. So obviously you don't put Steph Curry's performance in that same echelon. But what you can do is compare it to some of the other highest scoring game sevens um, in, in the playoffs in general. So again, did a little bit of research there. And the the number one before Steph Curry's 50-point performance was Kevin Durant's 48-point performance against the Milwaukee Bucks a couple years ago. What's interesting about that KD performance is that that game actually went to overtime, and he had a chance to definitely break 50 because he took six shots in overtime, but he was 0 for 6 for zero points. Uh, I think by that point, it was the end of the series. He's probably exhausted from carrying um, a hampered and injured Brooklyn team to seven games against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. But it's a, a testament to KD's greatness that he did that. And I believe he also had a 46-point game in that same series. So it was definitely the KD show against Milwaukee in that series. The other names that we have here, Dominique Wilkins goes for 47 against the Celtics in 1988 in the conference semifinals. Sam Jones goes for 37 points against the Boston Celtics, or sorry, um, against the Philadelphia 76ers in 1965. Jerry West, I talked about that 42-point game in 1969 against the Celtics. LeBron, again, that 37-point total against the uh, uh, Spurs in 2013. And then Bob Cousy in 1954 put up 35 points for the Boston Celtics against the Syracuse Nationals. That's a fun little trivia thing for there. So the interesting thing to point out is, of course, there aren't that many Game 7s, period. A lot of series, you know, we talk about Game 7 being the best uh, two words in sports, but it doesn't happen as often as you think. You know, you look in the first round of the NBA this year, there was just one seven-game series between the Kings and the Warriors. Everything else got wrapped up in four or five or six. But what's interesting is that in a league where guys – somewhat regularly score 40 points, 45 points. The fact that three of the best five games in a game seven or highest scoring games were under 40 points. And it goes to show you that a lot of the times these game sevens are incredibly tight, low scoring, kind of ugly affairs, right? I think I can tell you, you can probably understand that or appreciate that just from the game sevens that we've seen, you know, in recent history when, when all the, the stakes are up and the, the chips are down, that kind of thing. My mind jumps to uh, the 2016 NBA finals between the Cavs and the Warriors, where again, it was game seven in a series that was obviously back and forth and had a lot of drama and storylines with a three, one comeback and all that. 
But in a series where there were some super high-powered offenses on both sides of the ball, it seemed like once the fourth quarter hit, nobody wanted to score. Steph Curry probably had one of the worst games of his career. And surprisingly, only Draymond uh, really showed up on the Warriors. And of course, on the, the Cavs side, if you look at the shooting percentages for the Cavs, even the greats like LeBron and Kyrie, they were god-awful in that game, again, because the pressure is high and, and all that. So for Steph Curry to go into hostile territory, because again, this was in Sacramento with some of the loudest fans in the league, some of the most deprived of success fans in the league that were so desperate for a victory, for a series victory, for a Game 7 victory. For him to do that, I think really it's it's another – it's another brick in the legacy that he's building and that he continues to build at 35 years old. So even in the, the Steph conversation of who he is as a player and some of the best games that he has or he has had in the playoffs, I think this is definitely up there. It's definitely in the top five, but I wouldn't say it's his best game ever. I think that honor still goes to uh, the the show that he put on against Boston in game four for the same reasons, right? It was uh, the stakes were high. He's in hostile territory. And, you know, all due respect to the Kings and, and everything they did this year, they were not one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. But Boston was one of the best, one of the best defenses in NBA history, according to some metrics. And a lot of people basically wrote the Warriors off at that point, I think there was a point in that game where the Warriors were down maybe by three or four in the fourth quarter, and Steph took over, and he finished that game with 43 points. He's had a couple other high-scoring games uh, against uh, Houston in the Western Conference Finals. He had a 40-point game against San Antonio way back in 2013. He had a 44-point game, and then his second-highest output was 47 against Toronto in game three of the 2019 NBA finals, but the Warriors lost that game by 14. They weren't never really in that game. It was basically the Steph show because at that point, KD was hurt. I believe uh, Clay missed that game as well. So it was basically Steph and a bunch of scrubs against uh, the Toronto Raptors, who obviously eventually won the NBA championship. Then his highest scoring point, his highest scoring total, of course, this Kings game where like I've said many times, the stakes were not as high. This was not a conference finals. This was not an NBA finals. But it was just, like I said, another brick, another testament to the legacy that that he's building. And it was one of those games where you really had to be there to appreciate it. And it's one of those that you'll remember, especially if you're a Warriors fan, probably if you're a Kings fan too, You know how crazy of a game that was, how crazy of a performance that was. And what's really interesting about these Steph, you know, avalanche games, we can call them, especially this one is that it didn't really feel that crazy <laughs> while watching it, right? It wasn't like he went on a crazy hot streak where he hit three, four shots in a row or three, four threes in a row. He didn't, you know, shoot anything from half court and knock that down. This was a much more calculated performance. This was a game where he knew that, you know, if push comes to shove, I'm going to have to play 45 minutes in this game. He ended up only playing 37 because, you know, the, the game was out of hand by the end, but he knew that 
if I have to, I'm going to play just about every minute of this game. So early on, he's picking his spots. He's conserving his energy. And he knows that I probably can't have one of those crazy flurries where I'm, you know, again, hitting three, four shots in a row. But what he did instead was, you know, I'm going to pick my spots. I'm going to take a ton of threes to save some energy by not, you know, bleeding down the clock and beating down the shot clock and all that. And I'm going to try to hit some things in rhythm. And of course, I'm also going to try to draw some fouls. And of course, the really funny thing about Steph is that he does all of this, puts up all these numbers and, you know, has 40, 50 point games. And he's not getting to the line that often. You know, if you look at some of these other guys that are putting up 40 points, 50 points, they're getting to the line, you know, 10 times, 11 times, 12 times, something like that. But Steph, against Sacramento, he puts up 50 points on 38 shots, and he only takes five free throw attempts. So I don't know if that's him not getting the right calls. Maybe that's him not driving as much as he should be. But he's basically doing all of that without the benefit of the referee's whistle. And we can talk about some of these other greats that are do a little bit of foul hunting at times. Uh, and that's one thing that, you know, for all the criticism that some of these Steph haters can throw at him, they definitely can't call him a flopper. They can't call him a foul hunter. He plays the game in an honest and respectable way because I think he respects the game. And he knows that what he does on the court is a reflection of who he is as a person. And he chooses to play that game or play the game in an honest way. So, again, this is the Steph performance is obviously one of the greatest in the play in the history of the playoffs. You can dock it a couple points because it's not in the finals. It's not against a uh, all time type team. Like he's not doing this against the, the LeBron Cavs or the Tim Duncan Spurs, which obviously he did have a big game against the Spurs, as we mentioned a, a few minutes back, but you can knock it down for those things. But if this was a random guy that did it, then sure, you can maybe dismiss it as a one-off. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, I believe, have 50-point games in the playoffs, uh, mostly in the bubble, which doesn't really count. But the fact that Steph did this at 35 years old with the team that he has in the arena that he did it in and all of that just adds to the layers of his greatness. And within the historical context, we can see that you know, I think I don't think this record is going to go away for a very long time because obviously game sevens are not that common. And for one guy to put up that many points in the most pressure packed, pressure filled experience in sports, I don't think we're going to see that very often, if not ever again. So that's it for our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this uh, Warriors fan put up kind of an indulgent podcast about the greatness of Steph Curry and within a historical context, of course. And I hope you learned a few things about some of the other all-time great performances we've seen in the playoffs. So make sure to follow us and subscribe to wherever you find podcasts. Make sure to leave us a review. And you can find us on all the social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, etc. at 4040 Vision Pod. Thanks, y'all. Peace out.